Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Barbican Screen Talks. Hello and welcome to Barbican Screen Talks, your chance to hear classic conversations with leading figures from the world of cinema, recorded at the Barbican over the last three decades. Previously in the series, we've heard from an assortment of British and American filmmakers. In this Screen Talk, we bring you a conversation with probably the most well-known director to come out of South Korea. Park Chan-wook has recently won rave reviews for The Handmaiden, his sumptuously sexy, suspense-filled adaptation of Sarah Waters' novel, Fingersmith. But the South Korean director made his name internationally with a string of bleak, brutal films released in the early noughties, dubbed The Vengeance Trilogy by critics. Sympathy for Mr Vengeance, Old Boy and Lady Vengeance all took a blackly comic look at revenge and redemption. This thematic link wasn't entirely by conscious design, as you'll soon hear the director himself admit. The worldwide critical success of these films, including a Cannes Grand Prix for Old Boy, led Park to move into English-language cinema with 2013's Stoker. In this screen talk from 2008, Park Chan-wook talks to film journalist Damon Wise about a very different feature. The romantic comedy, I'm a cyborg, but that's OK. Set in the mental hospital, the film is the tale of young Goon, a woman convinced she's really a cyborg. Playful, Strangely moving and full of stunning visual effects, I'm a Cyborg But That's OK is believed by many to be Park's masterpiece. In the conversation you're about to hear, the director discusses I'm a Cyborg with the help of interpreter Chi Young Chin. He talks about why he turned to a love story after the visceral violence of his previous work. He reveals how casting K-pop superstar Rain as the film's romantic lead had some unusual benefits. And he looks back at his earlier work including some films he'd rather forget. I'm Eleni Jones, and this is Barbican Screen Talks with Park Chan-wook. My first question is basically one that you may all be thinking. How did the director of films like Simply for Mr Vengeance, Old Boy and Simply for Lady Vengeance turn his attention to a romantic comedy? Uh, you would probably do the same if you've done actually three feature films and a short film over five years, which is very violent and dark and gloomy. You'd probably want to change as well. The main reason, however, is the fact that I wanted to make a film for my daughter to see. When she was really young, baby, it didn't really matter, but she, she suffered in a way because he's been 
um, away a lot of shooting films on different locations. So it's kind of present to her so that she can see and watch it and enjoy, enjoy it. You know, she's got a father as a film director, but she hasn't really seen any of his work. That was a present. What was the starting point of the film? What was the very first image that came to you? Two guys, there are two images uh, came to his mind. The first one is that he was on in the car. It was during the post-production period of the old boy film, and the image that came to him is that the uh, the group therapy in a mental institute, and uh, he thought of a doctor and a nurse and the group of patients there. And the atmosphere of that would be very gloomy and dark. And he imagined what would it be like if there were no medical staff there? What if they were just among themselves, the patients among themselves? It might be quite different. That was the first image. Yeah. It's almost like in Toy Story, the toys came alive when there's no humans around. So he imagined that if there's no medical stuff, that the, the, the patients might have a much livelier conversation. They might have actually fun amongst themselves. That's, you know, the beginning of this imagination. And secondly, he also had this dream in which there's a, a cyborg in a girl form, you know, just a girl cyborg came out and then just shooting out of her fingertips and then all this, um, what's the magazines, you know, <laughs> that, all these bullets coming out of his, her mouth and that image was actually, he, he dreamt of that image. So it's a combination of these two images. Yeah. <laughs> 이렇게 뚜껑처럼 열리면 그쪽으로 총알을 이렇게 집어넣는 새로운 총알을 장전하는 그런 Right. Okay. In, in his dream, the difference between the actual the image you saw that the shooting out of finger scene, the one thing different is that in in, in his dream, it actually his inner thigh, uh, there's a kind of magazine there. You can actually put it in and then reload the gun. <laughs> Well, he didn't really make that scene because it's for the 12-year-olds. I mean, <laughs> to get that, to get that right. 어쨌든 그두 가지 이미지가 따로 있었는데 어느 날그 이런 생각이 들었어요. 손 진짜. Okay, so these two images are coming together, but but it wasn't really together from the beginning. I mean, he had this idea of cyborg. But it would cost a lot of money to make cyborg films, and there are lots of Japanese animation, you know, about the cyborg girls, and um, so it wouldn't be that unique. But if it's about a girl who thinks she's a cyborg but not real cyborg, that might be really, you know, more unique. And also, you can put it together: the earlier, you know, mental institute idea and this cyborg girl. So that's how these two came together. How did you find your cyborg girl, and what was it she brought to the role? You mean the 
actress or actor or actress, you know, ever. Um, 제가 워낙은 TV를 전혀 보지 않는 사람인데. I saw her on TV. Although he doesn't really actually watch TV. Um, he doesn't watch TV, but he just, just a, I mean, just came across her image when she was really adolescent. Um, when I, the TV was on in a restaurant or something. Some time ago, this is some time ago, but he just, he thought that she's really sort of attractive girl. So he, he sort of remembered her name. 그리고서는 그런 소녀를 그 역, 소녀를... Right, so um, he, he, he memorized her name, but then he didn't really need any of that kind of girl in his film, so he had forgotten about her. And then his fellow director, Kim Ji-un, when he was uh, shooting Tale of Two Sisters, he asked director Park to come along to the audition for the lead characters. So he, he does no reason to say no when there's going to be lots of pretty girls coming. <laughs> so he went along. 그런데 거기에 이제 And then she came, of course, sorry. Uh, she came to that audition, of course. Yeah. 그래서 너무나 반가웠고 그 오디션 현장에서 정말 잘했어요. He saw her there, and then he, he was really glad to see her, and it was really nice surprise. And then he actually recommended her to director Kim Ji-un to cast her. So I mean, he, he liked her as well, but you know, he was behind her as well. 그래서 이 영화를 이제 기획을 했을 때 제일 먼저 임수정. So it was kind of natural for him to think of her when he started preparing this film and he needed this lead. And uh, at the beginning she just kept complaining that I'm not when she was reading the script and she was like I'm not sure how to play this role. And all he said was think of your 7-year-old and then just play it. And then from the first shooting, the first scene, she was almost a character anyway. So it was sort of pleasure and fun for him to watch how she really developed this character. Um, when they're preparing this um, as a reference, I mean, this might be an interest to you who's interested in film history, but he uh, recommended, I mean, he showed that uh, Lutkina Visconti's film, White Knight, um, as a kind of reference, and, and she said it was very helpful. The role Maria Shella. I, I haven't seen this film, sorry, Maria Shella. That that really innocent and the, the performance as a really innocent and and that really inspired the Im Soo who played the female lead. How was it directing Rain, who I understand is a big deal in Korea? How did mm. why did you cast him and how was his performance for you? Dance. Okay, uh, Rain, is P in Korean, you probably don't know him, but he's a, he's a really uh, big superstar singer. And singing, you know, he's a great dancer and he's a huge star in Asia. And he didn't really know about him before, but he went to this some sort of ceremony, film awards ceremony, and he was performing there. And apparently Rain, the singer, he, he does want to be in a movie, so he performs in any ceremony that would have a lot of film directors come <laughs> there, and he would go there. And then he was there, obviously, and then he was watching him performing. And then he just turned around and he came to see these great actresses in Korea, you know, very, you know, sometimes they're quite snobbish and they're, you know, all very elegant. These girls all kind of, you know, they were totally fascinated by him. And, well, it's, it's difficult to 
translate, but he, they were basically drooling over him. <laughs> so, um, all over him. So he, he thought, well, if I take him, I can take any actress. Basically, he wanted a male lead to be, doesn't have to be technically polished in their acting, but somebody who could really uh, reflect that pure or the innocence of the character. So it was quite a good match because this was his first film role. So he didn't really want to very polished and film stars in Korea already established ones. He was young and more you know, useful at, at the same time, very innocent. 어쨌든 이 영화를 본 와쇼스키 형제가 Rain uh, recently um, started. He's not. I mean, released it. It's a shooting's finished, but in in Wachowski brothers' new film, Speed yeah, Racer. Speed Racer. I mean, you probably know Wachowski Brothers from. Matrix. Matrix. So you can check him out when the film is Speed Racer's released. So he's sort of recommending you to watch it. Is it the first time you've worked with someone who has so little experience of film? And if so, was there anything you, any special way you went about directing him? 어, 영화에는 처음이었지만 TV에서는 좀 경험이 있는 친구였어요. 그래서 완전히 실 Okay, so this is his first film role, but he had some experience in TV dramas. Yeah. Um, so he's not really a novice. And also he has uh, this kind of optimistic characteristics. I mean, whatever he suggests, director Park suggests, he never say no or, oh, I don't think I can do it. Never like that. He just, just okay, you know, he just goes for it. So that, that was... Why he was, you know, there's no problem directing him whatsoever mm. because of his, his attitude. And what about the other characters in the film? Did you, how did you draw up the types of people that would be in the hospital? Okay, so the rest of the characters were. He didn't really create them out of a sort of, you know, medical report or anything. He, did, he didn't really research into that like that. He's not real. He's just taken a trait, sort of eccentricity. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. From the people around him, in fact, and then exaggerated it, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know someone who's too polite, you know, who's really, really polite. <laughs> and, and then he just took, it, took that and then take it a bit further and then make it so he can't even walk forward because he's just, he has to walk, you know, backwards because he's too polite. So it's an exaggerated version of people he actually knows. Well, actually, he c 그래서 이게 너무 좀 과장이 지나쳤나 그런 생각을 하면서 좀 고쳐 고쳐야 되나 그런. Okay, so he was because of that lukewarm response from the real, you know, psychiatrist. He was worried about it, and he thought that maybe it's too exaggerated. Maybe I should maybe revise it. But anyway, he showed the script to the character who's actually playing, and asked him, "So what do you think of this?" And then he said, "Oh, actually, there's a." One in my neighborhood. It's just exactly like this. Oh, that 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 neighborhood. One of the neighbors was wearing a mask all the time. Apparently, there's a guy in the character's neighborhood. It's a guy who always holds his Bible, and then he just walks backwards all the time. So, I was watching the neighborhood. So, I realized that this is not a joke. I mean, he's seen that that guy with the Bible. You know, he's growing up looking at him all the time. So, you know, now he he had that confidence. So he just carried on with that script. 그 여러분께서도 의사들의 그 보고서를 읽으시면. But if you look at any medical reports, and it'll really go beyond your expectations or imaginations, how the human mind works. It can be such complicated, and there's a sort of Something that you can't really imagine, you know, there's a disharmony, but at the same time, he was explaining that it's kind of something bizarre, but brilliant and wonderful at the same time. How was the film received in Korea? Yeah, I mentioned it in the film. He said at the beginning of the film, um, but it didn't really do very well at all. He's not sure if it was worse than Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance or not. But it was a box office failure, basically, in Korea. Just in terms of box office, JSA and the old boy, Lady Vengeance, was successful. But Mr. Vengeance and I'm a cyborg, but that's okay with the failures. I understand that some people were saying that cyborg is your masterpiece. Ah. I don't know in Korea, but in Korea, the internet, netizens are so... 10점 만점으로 뭐 나는 이 영화를 몇 점을 주고 싶다라는 식으로 그걸 굉장히 많은 사람이 합니다. 그러면은 I kind of forgot what he said at the beginning now. Okay, so there's a yeah internet sites in Korea. There are lots of internet sites which actually rates all the films, and then they would give the 10% is the perfect, and then one obviously goes down. So normal audiences, regular audiences, usually really you know, go, if you want to go and see a movie, they would actually check that out instead of 
um, checking out what critics said or academics said, they really trust that rating. Mm -hmm. The thing is with the um, cyborg is that it is either 10 or 1. If you, if you take an average of it, it's, it's not really good. You know, and then people particularly didn't, well, it's just an average, so you know, possibly that's to do with that. 그 한국에서 한국의 저널에서 혹시 일하러 오시라고 그 요청이 와도 절대로 가지 마세요. 한국에는 비평가들이 전혀 힘이 없습니다. So he's saying that you shouldn't really go to Korea to work as a critic. Critics don't have any power at all in Korea. Well, are you glad you became a director because you almost uh, you studied philosophy and you almost became an art critic yourself? 아 예, 제가 음, 사실은 영화 감독이 원래는 되고 싶었어요. 근데 아, 생각에는... He always wanted to be a film director, but when he was young, he thought to be a film director, you have that charismatic character. <coughs> It'll be a bit tough to tell people what to do. So I mean, he was a very introvert boy, very normal, nothing you know extraordinary. So he kind of gave up at the beginning. He wanted to become a film director, but he thought he can't do it. He thought he could do that, you know, cl close his next things. That was a critic. Yeah. The next best thing was a critic, and then he wanted to become a critic. So that's why he went to study aesthetics in philosophy department in a university. But he, well, turned out that he chose the wrong university. They didn't really do any classes on aesthetics. So he just, you know, obviously uh, in despair and just wandered around looking for other things. And then he saw Hitchcock's vertigo. That made him to, well, whatever, whatever it takes, I have to be a film director. So after viewing that film. What can you tell us about your first film? Um, the Moon is the Sun's Dream, is that the title? Yeah, How did you come to make that film and, and how does it relate to the films? Uh, many, many people here will have seen your later films, but it's, not, it's very little seen here. 네, 여러분들이 그 영화를 뭐 거의 보신 분이 없다는 것은 여러분에게나 저에게나 크나큰 행운입니다. It's so it's, it's really fortunate that uh, not many of you have seen his first film for you and for me. I made it when I was in my 20s and I had this blind ambition to basically make a film. So that's how I got to make that film and it was very low budget and it was very sentimental. And it's just really, you know, well, in his word, awful. But at that time, I wanted to be a director. For that one, the producer wanted a particular, actually a singer. He wanted a singer to, to cast him. He was very popular at the time. And of course, he's a very good friend of him now. But he was, uh, well, he got uh, into trouble because of smoking marijuana at the time. And he was so basically banned being on TV because of that. So the reasoning behind the producer's idea is that because he is very popular, but he can't be on TV. So if he's on film, everybody's going to come and see him. <laughs> that was the reason behind him. But he didn't like to cast him at all then. <laughs> Just the first screen was sold out and then that was it. It didn't really do well at all. But your next film, JSA, was a very different story. How did that come to be made and what, what was your thinking behind making that particular film? Actually, there's another one between 
the moon oh. is uh, oh, the sons of dream of, and then Jay said, but I'm glad that you don't mention that one. I thought, I was, I thought that was a short. Was that a I'm feature, turning yeah. the uh, feature. Yeah. We can glide over that yeah. if we like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No more gacha. JSA는 그때는 이제 제가 처음 두 편의 영화를 Okay, the second one was also not particularly great. It wasn't received particularly great financially or critically. So now he's, he's you know, facing the third feature. And uh, he really made an effort to make it well, because, you know, if, if your third feature is a failure as well, and then now there's only ways to retire, really. So mm -hmm. he made a great effort to... So, uh, Okay. The third feature was basically uh, produced by a quite, you know, well, in this was the best production company. So basically the production company offered this project to him. So there was no reason for him to really say no. And mm. most of all, the subject was about the division of Korean Peninsula. And secondly, it had a structure of the sort of thriller, crime thriller, which is, you know, favorite kind of film. 그 당시에는 그 영화를 기획하던 때에는 국가보안법이라는 것이 남한에 물론 지금도 있지만. Okay, JSA, as you know, is dealing with very sensitive political issues. And at the time when they were preparing the project, there was this quite uh, strong law, as a social security law type thing, you know, which was very censorious. And the producer and the director Park, they even uh, thought about if we make this film, that we might have to go to jail because it's against the security, it can be you know, against that law. So they even thought about, you know, they even faced that, but thought that if you go to jail, actually you might make it more you know, successful because <laughs> of that. Would you have gone to jail? But it's interesting that the yeah, I think he wasn't ready to go to jail. But, but I mean, the consequence was that the film was immensely <coughs> successful. It was mm -hmm. the biggest box office, uh, then the biggest box office success film in Korea. And contrary to his kind of, you know, fear that he might have to go to jail, it in fact softened that social security law in a way that people kind of started to laugh at that kind of, you mm. know, ridiculous, rigid kind of uh, system. Now, did you know then when you finished that film that your next three films would be preoccupied with this, the theme of revenge? How did that trilogy come about? Okay, the trilogy, the Vengeance trilogy wasn't never really planned to be a tragedy, a, a trilogy. But the first one, a simple film is The Vengeance. He had this script already, he had written it some time ago. He had some sort of inspiration and he just written it down, basically typed it out for 24 hours. It was something that he had in mind and wanted to do it for a long time. Well, he was really inspirational and it was great for him, but no production company wanted to really make the film. So that script he had written some time ago, The Mr. Vengeance, was, was actually wore in, in his drawer because nobody wanted it. But then because of the success of JSA, well, any, any production company, every production company in Korea won't you know, bring any project. 
So he was like, as if he was be waiting, okay, oh, here you go. So that's how he made mm -hmm. the first one. And the second one, Old Boy, was totally different because he just liked that original, the manga, the original manga, and he just wanted to do it. But he didn't want to really connect these two originally. But if you want to make this film, I called Okay, so he was doing a press conference, you know, sort of reporting about his, uh, his, his new project, an old boy in Korea. And then uh, the journalist came there and was like, why are you doing another film revolving around the story around the vengeance? And so he just realized then that, oh, I'm doing another film on vengeance. But what's wrong with vengeance is basically saying there's such a long history. Um, going back to obviously Greek mythology and stuff. So he was, as a kind of response to that question, there and there he said, well, I, what's, what's wrong with Vengeance? I can do 10 films, I can make 10 films. Well, in fact, I'm, I'm planning three. So <laughs> that's how it came about. <laughs> So he had to do the Lady Vengeance, obviously, yeah. So he had to do the Lady Vengeance, but he wanted something different. So the main point was that the lead is female, it's not male. So that's just the initial idea. Does anybody have any questions for Director Park? How do you recharge your batteries and how sane do you think you are? How do you recharge your batteries and how sane do you think you are? I you are. How do you recharge here at Barbican yesterday, the BBC Symphony Orchestra. So that's how he got recharged. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's just from music and literature really keeps his balance. But you might not believe me, but I read Jane Austen novels. <laughs> <laughs> Another question here. Ellen here. Our audience Mike didn't quite pick up this question, so I'm going to help out. You say that you made the film with your daughter in mind. Were there any particular lessons that you wanted her to learn? I'm not sure about the subtitles, but the uh, idea was that just discard your hope. Does that make sense? And, and fighting, basically. Just, just, yeah. <laughs> you will come across. Uh, lots of best-selling books and the self-help books. They would really teach, you know, try to give you this message that don't lose your hope, just keep your hope and you know, keep hoping. But everybody knows that is a lie. You know, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. The hoping that's not really all you need. So basically, if it's not going to work, just give up, and then that's probably more beneficial too. Lots of people, in fact. Well, if you can say, you know, according to the film, what he refers to by, you know, don't forget about hope, is that the schizophrenic girl is never going to be cured. So forget about that, her being cured. But the important thing is in the film, she started to eat. So that's something about that, you know, encouraging. 
you know, that's a kind of fight for her, you know, carrying on. So that, that's a kind of message. We've got time for a couple more. There's two people at the back here. This question is, can you tell us about the film's ending? Yes, of course you can read it as a rebirth. He intended originally to have that title coming as a 60 years later, and then you would see these uh, male lead and uh, female lead gotten very old woman and old man, and they're just watching TV, the scene of they're watching TV with no conversation. It's almost like really bored. The two of them just watching TV, right? It starts like that, and then suddenly the rain drops, and then the male lead looked out and then saw the rain, and then as if they've done all the time, they just suddenly so automatically go out of the room and go up to the roof, rooftop. And there's a, as if it has been all the time, there's a tent there, it's a ready-made tent, and then they go into that. In fact, it goes out of the huge, you know, the open set, it's a hillside, there's lots of little houses in there. And then their house is at the top of the top of the hill. And at the top of that roof, and there there is raining, and one of them actually holding on to the antenna and waiting for the thunders. You know the girl is actually think that she's a nuclear bomb mm -hmm. and then she's gonna really, you know, end the whole, you know, universe and just the humanity when he gets the, you know, threat, you know, hit by a... Lightning. Yeah. Lightning, yeah, exactly. So they're waiting. So that's how he originally intended to finish the film. Okay, I forgot to tell you earlier that in the tent they were eating and waiting for the lightning. And so basically she has been living with the hope that she might with the, you know, fulfill her purpose, mm -hmm. which is uh, you know, basically ending the humanity. You know, she's been eating, waiting for that day. So he's not sure that's an optimistic ending. But that's, uh, if you can call it a hope, you know, she had that hope until that, that time, you know, 60 years later. But he got rid of all those things because he thought this was too explanatory. He's just trying to say too much. So mm. he decided just to cut it there, you know, leave it simple, just, just a suggesting. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for, actually. We're going to have to wrap that up. But um, thank you very much to Director Park chan -wook. Thanks for listening to this Barbican Screen Talk with Park chan -wook. If you've enjoyed the podcast and would like to support film at the Barbican, you can subscribe and rate us via iTunes or Acast or visit barbican.org.uk slash screentalksarchive. And we're always keen to hear your thoughts. You'll find us on social media at Barbican Centre. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 